the weekly podcast from the First Church of Christ in East Palestine, Ohio. We're glad you've decided to join us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning. Happy New Year. Let us go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for being able to gather here in your house. Lord, we just thank you for each and every one here. And Lord, we just thank you for a fresh, fresh start this year. We just pray that you would uh, grow the church here and be with each and every member here, Lord. Just please be with the message through song and through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Communion devotion this morning is titled Look, Looking Back and Looking Forward. Certain events invite us to both look back and look forward. Graduations, weddings, New Year's Day. At these times, we consider the significance of the past and anticipate the future. The Lord's Supper is such an event. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians 11:26. When we worship through participation in communion, we look back to the cross. We are reminded of our sin that made Christ's death necessary. As we remember the cross, we must face our unworthiness to receive God's forgiveness and salvation. As we search our hearts, and take inventory of our lives, we confess our sins and our moral failures to the Lord. Partaking of the cup of blessings prompts us to express thanks to God for blessing us with his grace and mercy. We realize our Lord is present with us in this meal, and we personally acknowledge to him our gratitude for taking our place on the cross. Each time we participate in the Lord's Supper, we look forward as well. We declare our confident expectation of Christ's return to earth. Even though the second coming is a future event, it influences our present behavior. Speaking of our hope in Christ, John says, All who have hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. That's 1 John 3, 3. As we share the communion meal today, we remember the past and anticipate the future and experience renewal in the present. The cross is not some dusty fact of history, but has a dynamic present and future impact. We remember our Lord who died, but is not dead. He lives and will return to earth to claim his own. We have a living hope because we have a living Lord. Paul wrote to Thessalonians about Jesus' second coming and observed that this hope will encourage us and build us up. Let us go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord. We thank you that you loved us, that you sent your one and only Son here as a babe to walk the earth and be tempted in every way, Lord, yet not fail. And Lord, we just thank you that he was willing to lay down his life for us, Lord, 
for we know each and every one of us has fallen short. And Lord, without your grace, without your mercy, without your love, it would not be possible. Please, Lord, just please help us to concentrate now on that sacrifice that you made. The juice representing that shed blood for us and the bread representing that broken body all for us, Lord. We just thank you for your love and your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Happy New Year. I hope 2000 and pray that 2023 will be a good year for you and your family and our church family. Take an opportunity to look over the bullet, the number of new things coming up here at the beginning of the year. Uh, notice no Wednesday night Bible study this week, this Wednesday, and this Saturday we're going to take down the tree. So we need about um, six to eight people to help us on Wednesday night at six o'clock. We're just going to take the greenery down. So if you're able to help on Wednesday night, please uh, sign the list on the bulletin board. It'll take about an hour. We're going to take the greenery down on Wednesday night. Uh, trustees went to the garage, put up new shelving for us. That's where we're going to keep the tree now. So on Saturday morning, we need 10 to 12 people to take down the frame and take it over to the garage. And we're going to start at 9 o'clock in the morning, and that'll last, eh, we'll ought to be done before noon, well before noon. So we need about 10 to 12 people to help us with that. So if you can help Wednesday or Saturday, please sign the list, post on the bulletin board. If you come next Sunday and the tree's not completely down, we didn't have enough help. So hopefully we'll get enough help for that. Uh, Saturday morning is also men's prayer breakfast, so if the fellas take note of that, we meet here at 6.30 for that. I'm starting a new ser sermon series on the book of Ruth, and I'm, uh, well, I'm going to preach through a chapter each week. There's only four chapters, so in preparation for that, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to please read chapter one of Ruth sometime this week. Also in the bulletin, please notice... Uh, we need to update our children's information, the young people who attend church, and you can pick up a sheet down in the youth center or over here in the welcome center. It's on a clipboard, and we just need to make sure we have phone numbers in case we need to get a hold of anybody, write information, addresses, and things. So if you would, please uh, pick one of those up and make sure we have updated information. Please add to your prayer list, if you would, uh, Brent Rupert. He has uh, gallstones, is having surgery in Cleveland Clinic, Cleveland VA Clinic uh, this Tuesday. Brent Rupert. Please look at the other prayer list in the bulletin and remember these people in your daily prayers if you would. Let's take a moment and go to God in silent prayer. Amen. Well, did you make any resolutions for this year? Uh, statisticians tell us that 45% uh, of the people will make resolutions. 55% uh, they uh, don't want to because they say they have a hard time keeping them. And that's true. They say by the end of the year, only 8% of people keep their resolutions. And that might be why the new holiday came about. I don't know if you're familiar with this holiday. January 17th now is Ditch New Year's Resolution Day. That's a real holiday. Of course, there are a lot more holidays around than you think. You don't get that day off. Don't try to take that day off from work, by the way. But let me tell you how it's advertised. Here, here's how it goes. It is a perfect day to abandon you, your New Year's resolution and return to your old habits. If you give up your resolution on January 17th, you can do it guilt-free because that's what the holiday is all about. Anyhow, that's how they advertise it. 
And I suppose the idea for this day came about because it is so hard for us to keep our resolutions. You know what? That's why some people make resolutions that are easy to keep. Like this one. I resolve to be a little nicer to people who do exactly what I want. Uh, that, that shouldn't be a real hard resolution to keep, huh? Or this one. I resolve to get into shape. The shape I choose is round. Again, that shouldn't be a difficult one. I resolve to pay off my visa each month with my MasterCard. I resolve only to eat white snow. I don't know what happened there, but that's a good one. I resolve to stop wearing pajamas in public. I think that's a good one. I see that awful a lot. And then this one, I resolve never again to take a laxative and a sleeping pill on the same night. <laughs> Probably a very good idea. Easier one to keep. You know, some people make resolutions and they're not really sincere about it. Like the guy who said, I was going to quit all my bad habits in the new year, but then I remember nobody likes a quitter. So, or the fellow who said, my new year's resolution is to give back more to the community. I don't want to seem like I'm bragging, but starting in January, I'm becoming a volunteer crossing guard for an online school. <laughs> then there's the poor kid who said, my dad told me his New Year's resolution was to embrace his mistakes. Then he hugged my sister and me. So that's terrible. But did you know resolutions go back a long time? Through archaeology, we discovered that way back, over 4,000 years ago, the Babylonians made resolutions. They made them to their pagan gods, but they made resolutions, pretty much the same type of resolutions that we make today. They found a couple. I'm going to give back what I borrowed. That 4,000 years ago, the Babylonians were borrowing shovels and not returning them. Uh, I'm going to pay off all my debts in the coming year. So it's an old tradition. The Romans made resolutions, even back in the time of Jesus and before. They made their resolutions to the pagan god Janus. Now, you know where we get, word we get from that? January. And Janus was a god, supposedly, who had two faces. One face looked forward, the other face looked behind. So the idea was you, you gave up some things you did in the past, and you start anew as you look forward. So making resolutions is an age-old tradition. Of course, the Bible does not command us to make resolutions, but as the new year starts... It just seems like a natural time to say, you know what, I know I need to make some changes, I'm going to do it. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness, that is living like God would have me to be, trying to be like God, godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. According to the site yougov.com, the top 10 resolutions people make are these. Number one, lose weight. That, that's not a surprise to you, is it? That's the number one resolution. Number two, save money. Number three, get physically fit. Number four, eat healthy. Number five, learn something new. I bet some of you have made those resolutions. Number six, drink less alcohol. Number seven, quit smoking. Number eight, reduce stress. Number nine, get more sleep. And, and number 10, travel more. Now, those are good resolutions. I don't think any of us would look at those resolutions and say, oh, those aren't good. I would assume that if people follow through with these resolutions, it'll make their life better. 
Unless, of course, your resolution is to get more sleep and you're already sleeping 10 hours a day and your goal is to sleep half the day, you want to add two more hours to it, that wouldn't be good. But you look at these 10 resolutions and they seem like decent resolutions. But there's a problem. These are the top 10. These are the resolutions most people make first. And what's the problem that you see? There's nothing there that has to do with your spiritual life. Now, again, they're not bad resolutions. Paul says physical training has some value. What we do physically, what we have physically has some value. And we look at the list, and, and really, that, that list isn't a bad list at all. Everything on that list has some value. Incorporating these things into a person's life could extend their life. Give somebody a few more years here with their friends. And doing some of these things might make a person's life a lot more enjoyable. Let's say they're overweight, way overweight. They drink too much. They smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. They, they only get three or four hours of sleep a night. They don't have any money in their savings account. They're, they're buying everything on credit cards. They have uh, donuts for breakfast, Big Macs for lunch. Ah, oh, but then at supper time they have fish, but it's fried fish, along with the fried hush puppies and fried onion rings. That's not a meal you'd want to eat in front of your doctor. So, you know, you make these 10 relations and keep them, and, and they have some value, especially if you really need to make changes. And they're probably going to help you enjoy life more, help you feel better, help you have more money, and even help you live longer. Let's say that these things really raise the standard of living with the money you save from certain things. Uh, uh, because you make these resolutions, you can afford to travel. You can enjoy life more. You, you make new friends. Life is good. So making these changes, as Paul says, has some value. Physical things in this world, like exercising or material things that we have, certainly have some value. But Jesus said this, What shall profit a person if they gain the whole world? and lose their soul. Nothing wrong with these resolutions, except they only deal with the here and now. They don't prepare someone for eternity, and they don't help people prepare other people for eternity. You see, the physical and the material help me for the here and now, and there's nothing wrong with that, unless the physical and the material is all that I have. The richest, uh, the smartest, Arguably, the most powerful man who ever lived upon the earth tells us the material and the physical is not enough. Solomon, that's who I'm talking about, by the world standards, he had made it. He had what everyone else wanted. He was king of Israel in its heyday. He was king of Israel, and they had expanded their borders. Uh, he ruled a military that was second to none. He was powerful. The Bible says he ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates to the border of Egypt. God had given him the gift of wisdom. And leaders from all over the world came to sit at his feet and, and to learn. He had 700 wives. He had 300 concubines. A thousand women. He was rich beyond imagination. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 22 says Solomon was greater in riches than all the other kings on earth. 
Solomon was the richest man in the world. In Ecclesiastes 2.10, he writes this book, of course, as inspired by the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiastes 2.10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. This is a man that had everything that this world had to offer. And yet he says numerous times in the book of Ecclesiastes that everything is meaningless in life if lived simply under the sun. Now, what does he mean by that? Life is meaningless if simply lived under the sun. What he means is life is meaningless if simply lived for the here and now. Make the resolutions, eat better, and you feel better. Get an education so you're more successful. You end up marrying the person that you love. You drive around in the car you've always dreamed about. But Solomon says you get all that and it's meaningless if that's all you got. We need to make resolutions that not only help us in our life here in this world. We need resolutions, as Paul says in Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, that not only hold promise for this life, but the life to come. So make those resolutions that will help you enjoy life here in this world. But don't forget to make resolutions that will help you live godly lives. Resolutions that prepare you and others for eternity. Now here's the thing when making resolutions, especially spiritual resolutions, we tend to make resolutions that are very difficult to keep. Even, even physical resolutions, at times we'll say, I'm going to lose 10 pounds a month. Starting in January through June, I'm going to lose 10 pounds a month. And then June, I'm going to uh, keep that weight uh, just like it is for the rest of the year. And then we only lose three pounds in January. And that's better than we've been doing. But we think we failed because we did not reach our goal. And we quit. And we tend to do that with spiritual resolutions too. We, we, we look at where we're at with God in our relationship. And we know there's some areas of improvement. We need improvement. And we make resolutions, but sometimes we make resolutions that we're, we know we're not going to keep. We just can't keep. So what we need to do is be practical as we make our resolutions. Don't be overly ambitious. Uh, be reasonable. Be practical. But make some resolutions in 2023 that will help you in your growth in Christ. You know, one resolution a lot of people will make is, I'm going to read through the Bible next year. And there are a lot of people that read through the Bible every year. There are a lot of people who have never read through the Bible. So the whole Bible. So I'm going to read through the Bible in, in ne next year. Well, you know, there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. To read through the entire Bible in a year, you have to read 3.2 chapters a day. Now, that's very doable. A lot of people do it. But, you know, if you get sick and you don't feel like reading, you're tired, when you get home from work, you go on vacation, a number of things happen and you get behind, then it gets hard to catch up 3.2 chapters a day. So if you've never read the Bible completely through, maybe you need to start with a less ambitious plan, but a plan that you're going to keep. You might read just Genesis through Job. If you read Genesis through Job in the Old Testament, you're going to be reading the books of law and the history of, of Israel. And then read the New Testament. Now, if you do that, all you need to do is read about two chapters a day. 
So that cuts it down a little bit, makes it a little easier. Now, if you want, just plan to read the New Testament. Uh, there are a lot of people who have never even read through the New Testament in a year. You can read through the New Testament in a year. It has 260 chapters. You read just one chapter a day, just five days a week. One chapter a day. Five, take the weekend off. Five chapter, uh, one chapter, if I, and you'll read through the New Testament in 2023. So if you haven't made a resolution to get more into your Bible, that might make a, be a good one to make. But make ones that are reasonable. Make ones that are doable so you do them and carry them out. Years ago, at the end of every year, we had a Sunday school program. And we would move our kids from one class to the next. We'd show them who the new teachers were, took them down to their classrooms. And we'd give awards at the end of the year for different things. One award we gave was for attendance, Sunday school attendance. If you came a year without missing Sunday school, then you would get a pin that said one year. Came two years without missing Sunday school, you'd get a pin that said two years. And we had a number of people every year who would get a one-year pin, a number of people who would get a two-year pin. And we had one lady... I'm thinking she was on like seven years. Jim, I don't know if you remember or not. She was way up there, seven years in a row without missing Sunday school. And she ended up going to the hospital. She was in Cleveland Clinic. And uh, it was December. And she wasn't going to be home for Sunday. And she was worried as she talked to me that she wasn't going to be able to get her pin this year. And I said, you know, you're in the hospital. It's the end of the year. You've done so very well with this. Church is so important to you. We'll make sure you get your pin. I think this is something that, you know, being in the hospital up here in Cleveland that we can overlook. And she said, no, 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 no. That wouldn't be right. If I'm not there, you can't give me the pin. So she called a Church of Christ up there in Cleveland. And uh, somebody came and picked her up and took her to church. She had an IV. She had to take the IV to church. She didn't realize that she had called a black church, which is fine, except they tend to go long in services. She was there three hours. So, but here's, here was the deal we had, that if you went to another church, you're on vacation or something, you bring back a bulletin, then we'll count that as being in church. So she brought back the bulletin, and she was able to get her pin. Attendance, you see, was very important to her. But it wasn't just because of the pin. She believed being in church. Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now understand the Christians the Hebrew writer was writing to, these Christians had been persecuted for their faith. Later in the chapter, he's going to mention that some of them were publicly exposed and insulted and persecuted. Some of them were put in prison. Actually, some of them had their property confiscated because they were Christians. Now, in light of that persecution, you might think that the Hebrew writer would say, missing the assembly is no big deal. Because one way people could tell you're a Christian is they would see you go to worship with other people. And that would put you in danger. So you might think that the Hebrew writer would say, you know, it, it, if you miss the assembly because you're, you're in danger of being persecuted, uh, okay, uh, that's understandable. But that's not what he says. He says, do not become... Do not get in the habit of missing the assembly. 
Church is important. And later on in the chapter, he's going to talk about the connection between our worship and the Lord's Supper and how when we miss service, we are trampling underfoot the blood of Christ because it's during that communion service that we take the cup and we take the blood, uh, representing his blood, and we take the bread representing his body. Remember what he has done for us. So attendance at worship is important. So I might make a suggestion for you this year. Uh, mark on your calendar an X every time you, you come to church. Every Sunday, you can go home today and you can put that X on your calendar and do that. Because here's the truth. Only about 23% of our people come to church four weeks in a row. Now, boy, we must not. And that's the average of every church out there. 23 to the high teens come every week in a row, four weeks in a row. So maybe you can make that your goal. And what happens is we don't think about it. We come three weeks, we miss a week. You know, then we come a couple weeks, we miss a week. Doesn't seem like we're missing a lot. But you look back over the year, and you've missed 12 Sundays. Now, um, if you go to work, and you work every day a week, five days a week, and you miss 12 days, you may be in danger of losing your job. And yet sometimes we take church attendance so lightly that missing 12 Sundays doesn't seem like a big deal. We, sometimes we don't catch on how often we miss. So that's something for us to think about anyhow. Look at your calendar. Maybe that's an area that you need to improve on in 2023. Well, there are a lot of suggestions we can make. But I would suggest that you make one or two, three spiritual resolutions. Resolutions that are going to help you grow in the faith in 2023. Maybe your resolution will have to do with prayer. Uh, maybe it'll be volunteering for a youth group or, or a nursery or caring hands. Maybe it'll be time to update your giving. You haven't looked at that in a while. You've been giving the same thing for 10 years. Uh, maybe it's a temptation that you're fighting. Maybe you need to make a resolution to forgive someone. Maybe you need to make that resolution to be more committed in saying prayers with your kids or doing a little devotion with your kids before they go to bed. Maybe it's personal devotions. Maybe you need to start attending Sunday school or Bible study. Uh, again, if you haven't been attending either, just choose one. In my uh, Sunday school class next week, we're going to be starting studying the book of Nehemiah. If you don't know who Nehemiah is, you really need to be in, in Sunday school. But Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock. It ends at 1045. You still can be out of here by 11 o'clock, and yet you'll be growing in your knowledge. Nehemiah is an exciting and challenging book. So if you don't attend now, maybe you can think about starting next week as we get into that study of Nehemiah. On Wednesday nights, starting next Wednesday through January and February, we're going to be having our soup and sandwich dinners. So at 5.30 to 6.30, we serve dinner. We have soup and sandwiches, hot dogs, and, and always hot dogs for the kids and some other sandwich and salad. So you can come right from work. You don't have to worry about getting supper ready, fellowship with some people, and then join us as we study the Bible. On Wednesday nights, we're in John. Now, we're in chapter 3, but we've just started. So you'll be able to go through the whole gospel with us. Is that a resolution that you need to make? Well, it's good to make some resolutions. And if you made one last year, you didn't keep it, maybe you need to modify that a little bit and try again. But remember what Paul wrote. Godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. You make those resolutions that will help you grow in your spiritual life. And what he is saying, they will benefit you now 
and they will benefit you in the future. So think about what resolution uh, you need to make. If you're here this morning as a Christian, that's a good thing for you to do. And if you're not, before you make any other resolution, make that decision to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're going to sing our invitation hymn now. And as we do, if you'd like to accept Christ now, you can come forward. We can take your confession, baptize you into Christ this morning. If you want to talk more about that, you can see me after the service. Let's stand and sing together. Thanks for listening. If you would like to join us in person, we meet on Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m. and on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Have a great week.